Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions. Connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. The Apostle Paul truly changed the world. Uh, God used him in such a significant way. And today on part two, we want to continue our discussion of the Apostle Paul and how God used so many things in his life Uh, So the gospel could be carried to the whole Roman Empire. Uh, He was uh, taught at the feet of Gamaliel. At that time, the greatest theologian the Jews had, and Paul was able to to know him and to learn from him in Jerusalem. So he had the the knowledge of Jerusalem. But our co-host, by the way, is Nathan Harper. And Nathan, by the way, he had his Roman citizenship. Yeah. So God had done a work <laughs> preparing him before he was even called to do what he was called right. to do. Right. Paul was uh, it's some in some capacity from Tarsus, which is in Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey uh, on the coast. And, um, and you can um, – um, there's some speculation about, you know, um, his his origin at how birth. he got his Roman citizenship, right? How that how that came about, but we know he was he was Jewish, definitely um, by birth. Yes, he, by birth, by birth Jew, and by birth a Roman, Roman citizen. citizen. Yep. Um, and so that's pretty much all we kind of know. And then we um, we get we jump to his training uh, with uh, Gamaliel, um, and so. Um, there was also some gaps in the story of between his uh, conversion on the road to Damascus and when he goes to Arabia. We don't. There's some speculation there and some kind of guesses. Right. Um, we know he did. Right. But the time frame is not as laid out as it is like his three missionary journeys. Right. They're, they're laid out pretty clear time yes. scale, but that part is not. Right. So when you're reading through Acts, and Luke is recording a lot of Paul's uh, ministry, um, you don't get all the background except for where maybe Paul is mentioning mentioning that in a testimony or in another letter that Paul writes. He yeah. might mention a brief comment about some of those things. So piecing together the life of Paul is harder to do early and it's a little bit challenging to do on the very end of his life. Right. There's speculation there. Uh, but we're right kind of in the middle. We are. And and we're going to go through this. And uh, this is part two. Again, if you didn't get it, you can go to our podcast. Go to AFR.net and look at podcasts. Go down to Exploring Missions and see this. Paul's Life as a Missionary, part one. And now this is part two, and where we left off was Barnabas and Saul befriending one another, Barnabas taking him there in Jerusalem, introducing him to the apostles, but it doesn't stop there. Yes, there was some separation there, but God had already made this connection, so Paul and Barnabas would get together again. And one of the significant things is in Acts 11, 
19 through 30. Uh, the dispersion has taken place, and Christians have gone all over uh, the Roman Empire. And one of the places they go is north of Jerusalem in Antioch, Caesarea. Okay? Uh, uh, and and there, it was amazing what God was doing. And word got back to the church at Jerusalem where the apostles were still, at least most of them, were still around at that time, Nathan. So they decided to check it out. Guess who they sent up there? Well, there there was Barnabas who <laughs> seemed always willing to do maybe the hard things. It is, isn't it? And so Barnabas um, went and... They knew he would be an encouragement to the brethren that were there. Um, and, you know, he was upright, and they could trust his report when he was when he would report back. And he liked it so much, uh, he decided he'd continue there in ministry for a while, and it grew beyond measure. So we find out that he, uh, after they grow, he remember—I don't think he had to forget— but he, he said, I know who would fit in here. Yeah. I, I know who would help. Well, because you had the mix of, of Gentiles and different nations and um, and the the church community, the new church there in Antioch was um, a mix. Yeah. And so he thought of someone, hey, he had a pretty good mix. He was a Roman <laughs> citizen, but he's also Jewish. But now he's a follower of Jesus. Um, and he thought about Paul. Now, I, I just got to stop in. Every time I stop in at the church at Antioch, I just it just thrills me, intrigues me. You know, people say, oh, we need to be the New Testament church. And, I, yeah, I got a little attitude sometimes. I say, well, which one, Corinth or which one? And, uh, oh, you know what I mean. But if you're going to imitate a church uh, in the New Testament, Antioch would not be a bad one to say we need to do our best to become that kind of a body of believers, you know? Yeah, absolutely, especially if you're in an urban, cosmopolitan-type area, um, which our whole country, society is growing more and more so. Um, yeah, Antioch's a really good model to, to look at. They they got into the Word, and they were missional. I, I mean, and they were receiving. They received Barnabas. They didn't look at him like, oh, who have you come up here to set yeah, us Let straight? me see your credentials. Yeah, they, it was real receptive. So Barnabas goes and gets Saul and brings him there, and they minister, uh, and and they're doing a great job. And, uh, and yet at the same time, uh, God is one that's orchestrating this. Now, so far what we've done, we've just seen these spots where it is. But now in chapter 13, uh, verse 2, it makes it plain. It says this, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Yeah. <laughs> that that was plain, Nathan. I mean, uh, we I've got a job. They've done good here, but I've got something else. Now, I, I want to bring this in, and let's get off of Paul for a moment. That might happen in a church, maybe a pastor, maybe a staff member, maybe a deacon. Uh, it may be a church plant that you're, you're in a church that's strong and the fellowship is great, and there's a church plant over on the other side of town that is struggling a little bit. 
What about the Holy Spirit speaking to someone and say, how about going over there and serving there? You've been here where it's been safe, it's been good, but I, I'm going to send you to a more difficult place. Should people be open to that? Yeah, I think so. And I think as you are worshiping, growing in the Lord through the Word, study of the Word, um, in fellowship with the believers in your local body, um, and then you're praying and fasting, then, yeah, you're going to be open to hear what God has to say, where he might send you. And at least in chapter 13, we're not told specifically that God said, hey, go here. He's like, I'm going to show you, almost like an Abraham kind of thing. Go to the land, I will show you. Um, He's going to set them apart for the work I have called them to. Whatever that was or wherever it <laughs> There's a it little bit them. of mystery. Yeah. Isn't there always a little bit of mystery of serving the Lord? There's an unknown, and that requires uh, a lot of faith to, to walk into that. Yeah. I hear you cannot steer a car that's sitting still. you got to be moving. And so a lot of times you got to start out in order for the Lord to steer you in the correct place. Yep. I've seen that happen in my own life. Um, just another thought about Paul specifically. You know, ever since he met Jesus, he never got to, at least that we know of and, and can can tell, uh, never got to settle down very much. He was, you know, in Damascus for a little bit, went down to Jerusalem for a short time, uh, over back over to Tarsus' home, probably in Arabia, who knows where and how that went, um, back to Tarsus. Now he's up in Antioch. He's never got to settle down after saying yes to following Jesus. Um, and maybe that's how God was preparing him in some way, how God was preparing him to continue bouncing around and moving around and, and traveling and taking those journeys. That's that's good. I had not thought about that connection, Nathan. That is that is very good and real. And so we find out they sent them out, and they take John Mark with them. Now, the reason I want to bring that up when you study Paul's life, he's always training, mentoring someone. And here it's Barnabas. I this may I think this is more of Barnabas's idea. And, yeah. and I think, I think Ma- Barnabas, Barnabas modeled yeah. this for Paul. That's exactly right. Hey, I'm going to bring you along, Paul. We're going to go. God set us apart. Hey, let's also bring old John Mark over here. That's exactly right. And that continued throughout all of the ministry that he had. And again, why why are we doing this? We're not just doing this as a history lesson. We're looking at this as a model for the possibility of God using you, the possibility of you mentoring, the possibility of you being a Barnabas that encourages. Uh, And so that's the whole idea. So he sends them out, and they go on what we now know as the first missionary journey. Uh, they didn't know it was going to be called the first missionary journey yeah. when they went out. They were just calling it, we're going to go where God sends us to. And they go down to Cyprus. And it wasn't long till they meet difficulty there with a guy. And again, they're able to, to withstand it. And Saul, who becomes Paul, begins to show, I, I would call it the leadership skills that he had. Yeah. And when they come back from this first missionary journey, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, he's no longer Saul, but he's Paul because they have invaded Gentile territory, haven't they? Yeah, it's it's not uncommon. Just um, this is kind of an aside, but it relates. It's not uncommon for 
even missionaries today, uh, when they travel to another country, speak a new language, enter a new culture. Um, one is done sometimes because people can't can't say your name. They can't pronounce your name. I've been in places where people cannot say Nathan. That those words don't, those sounds don't come out of their mouth, um, and that's fine. That's not a problem. But on on occasion, I have told them to just call me Nate because it's easier to say, right? Um, so there might have been some of this with with Paul, but it's also missionaries today will will also give themselves a name related to the culture that they're in. Um, so there's that connection, and you have that human connection with people that you're trying to reach. Um, and they don't see you as much of a foreigner if you have a, a common name. So there might have been some of that with, with Paul as well. Saul is more Jewish, yeah. and then Paul is, is more Greek. Right, is, Paulus or, or yeah, Paul, yeah. yeah. And so they head out on the first missionary journey. They leave Cyprus and go up to what is now modern-day Turkey. And if you notice, if you get in the back of your Bible and you look at maps and you see the first missionary journey— and in this journey, we don't find him saying, okay, Lord, where did we go to next? It's similar to what you you said earlier. He didn't say where I'm going to send you. Just start, and I'll guide you. And it seems like they go to this town, and they they don't zigzag around. They go to the next town. It seems like he has, uh, you know. There's a path or trajectory, path, yeah. And not wasting energy in traveling uh, between, you know, just going to the next town. The other thing we find out if there's a synagogue, he goes there to start, doesn't he? Yeah, it's kind of a um, a ready-made uh, audience. It's a population segment that in in any town of, of significant size that Paul knows is going to be there already, and he can start there. So launching point for that local ministry um, as as he's sharing the gospel to the Jews first, and that's and that's also kind of a model from from Jesus and the apostles, um, but. Um, the difference with Paul is that many times that was just the starting point was the synagogue. He he would branch out very often uh, to include other other areas in town or definitely other uh, people groups. And so when he would go to the synagogue, he would preach the gospel, and some would hear and respond. Some would reject completely, and others would say, well, uh, we're interested. We want to hear a little bit more about it. But what this brought out is in mission strategy, even today, uh, you find a location or a person. If you're introducing the gospel into a new area, you go to that place or that person, and and they become a person of influence or a person of, of I would say, connection. So the synagogue was that for him. Yeah, it was. and And there would be individuals there that would be consider people of peace uh, who would respond. They would welcome the message. They would uh, receive Paul and his team, and, and they would allow Paul to to, to, to preach. Um, but at the same time, there was a already pre-existing community gathered. And so once that community that's already gathering kind of naturally, socially, spiritually, in some capacity, they're already getting together, then, hey, there's the beginning of a, of a church body. Uh, that's within that that already existing community. Two things I want to add to that, and they happen in the other missionary journeys, but when they got to Philippi, which is a big big town, 
They didn't have 10 Hebrew people there, so they didn't have a synagogue. But guess what he did? He found out where there were some God-fearers and God-worshippers. And again, that strategy, same one. It wasn't a synagogue, but it's the same strategy, finding a group of people that love the Lord. And then when he is in Athens and he couldn't find anyone, he's found a statue that said to the unknown God. Yeah, he found some spiritual connection. He really did. In that place. And so that, that, that strategy continues on even in mission work today yeah absolutely okay when they get through the first missionary journey in acts 15 and i think this is significant he comes back to jerusalem to give a report and the biggest thing that was there gentiles could be saved to what and he was there and what god had done peter had gone back to jerusalem and God had gotten Peter uh, up in with Cornelius, and he had experienced uh, the Gentiles uh, becoming followers. So when Paul and Barnabas comes back back to give their report, they have someone there that said, yeah, it happened to us as yeah, well. That's right. Isn't that neat? God had Barnabas for Paul, but now God has Peter to affirm yeah. what God was doing and in a lot in of ways. Life. Yeah. in a lot of ways, just to be that second witness to confirm something is true. Um, and they could take not just the testimony of Paul, um, who maybe some of them thought hey, he's a little, <laughs> he's a little off. Yeah. Uh, but there was Peter also, um, in his testimony and, uh, in, and you're probably leaning toward acts 15, right. Um, where, where the church met, and uh, had those discussions about about Gentiles being a part of of the faith. And if you want to do a Bible study, what you do, you can read that uh, letter that was written in Acts 15. But then, if you wanted to see an expanded version of that, read the God, uh, the book of James. Yeah. And uh, it because James it, was the facilitator for he those really meetings. was. Yeah. And this is the brother of Jesus who initially. Uh, said, no way, but after the resurrection, hey, the resurrection changed everything, didn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And so Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch. Again, they share, and guess what God does? He sends them out once again. And again, going to what you were referring to, uh, God laid it on his heart. The way it's read in that area, it says, let's go back and let's check out and affirm those Christians that were in those cities where we started churches, and let's see how they're doing. Yeah, you see the um, <clears throat> the pastoral heart of Paul, even though he was an apostle, he was a missionary, always on the go, starting new works and moving on, but it didn't mean he didn't care for people. He had a deep love for the people, for the brothers and sisters that were always behind, left behind in, to, to continue on the work in that new church community. And so... He had a pastoral's heart, pastor's heart, a shepherding heart uh, to see those people and check on them and make sure they're growing and make sure the wolves haven't come in. <laughs> um, and and I think might have been one of Paul's favorite things to do was to go back and and, and see how revisit. Yes, I agree. Now, what had happened before that? And I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I think I, I should have. And Barnabas and uh, Paul, they have a disagreement concerning taking John Mark with them. And Paul, who on the first journey kind of abandoned abandoned the trip. them yeah. earlier, 
And now Paul leaves and goes to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Barnabas takes John Mark and goes to Cyprus, where, you know, he's originally from anyway, mm-hmm. at land down there. And, and so Luke follows Paul, and they go on this second missionary journey, as we said, to revisit. And they go up north, and this is in Acts chapter 16. They want to go further north, but it says the Holy Spirit hindered him. Now, again, you remember in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to. And now there seems to be a significance. The Holy Spirit, I know they were leading them all the way, but these interruptions, I would call them, Nathan, at these point in times are really important that he, the Holy Spirit redirects him into Europe. Yeah, I think um, I've heard people uh, share, I think, words of wisdom with me before in the sense that, you know, maybe you're at a place and you're like not sure what God has the next step for you. Um, and they've told me, well, what was the last thing you heard from God? Continue doing that until he tells you to do something different. And maybe Paul was on that kind of mindset. He was going to continue the way he knew the last thing God had told him. He was going to continue in that. But then he got this interruption um, to say, hey, come over here to, to Europe, to Macedonia, and uh, and visit us over here. And that changed the world. Honestly, Acts 16 is should go down in Western civilization history yeah. as what really put us on a whole, that whole area on a whole different focus. Yep. The gospel would just multiply in that area as well and do great work. So he goes over there, and those churches that are waiting on him over there is amazing. Philippi's over there. Corinth is over there. At, you know, all these places. And he goes and visits them, and he goes back to doing what he was doing. He would, again, get your mouth out. He'd go to this town, and then he'd go to the next town. And you don't have the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't go there. Go here. Uh, he did exactly what you were talking about. That's the last thing God told him to do, and he kept on doing it. So what do we do when we come into those places teaching a Sunday school class? Those are on mission. Though That pastor, whatever, uh, you're waiting for God to speak. Well, be busy in what he said to do the last thing he told you to do. Is that good practice? Yeah. Continue in your faithfulness to that word that you can be obedient um, and don't go chasing fruit. Chase chase the obedience that God has given you, you know, put in front of you to, right. to be obedient to. So if you have your mouth out and you see where all he went, he went to some significant places, but he makes his way back to Antioch. Now, I think this is significant. He had a base. He had people praying for him. Uh, he knew what was going on, and he he came back and reported to them. How important is that? Yeah, it's absolutely critical um, for missionaries who are on the field, outside of wherever they're serving, um, uh, to have a uh, ascending church, to have a a home base, like you said, to have a support system of prayer, uh, financial support, uh, but also just love and concern and eager to to be a part of what God's doing through you or through the missionary, and that missionary can come back, whether it feels like home to them anymore or not, they're still welcomed and accepted and, and able to process the good and the bad and the trauma and the difficulties and the and and, and report 
and say, here's what God's doing um, through you guys. That support group it's, is so it's important. It's crucial and it's critical. And, um, you know, these days I would encourage someone not to launch out very far until that's been established in, in, in pretty solid and firm relationship with a sending church. The second thing we find out, he revisits these churches. He does that. But he adds to this, and that is communicating them through letters. In the second missionary journey and the third one, he finds out that different times he writes that church. They come and report. Uh, he doesn't have to visit them. People would send people to him a lot of times carrying money to help yep. him continue on. And Paul would ask, well, how's your church doing? And he would hear about certain things like in Corinth, and he would write a letter to them. Sometimes it was a letter of correction for Philippi. It was a church, it was a letter of thank you, basically, mm-hmm. and of and doctrine. Ephesus, uh, they were false teachers was beginning to come in, and Colossae false teachers were beginning yep. to come in. Even Romans was a, Romans was like a fundraising letter, but it <laughs> it was packed with theology, don't you think? It really was. <laughs> okay, he gets back and goes on his third missionary journey, and again he doesn't cover as many details. Seems like uh, for his place to place, but he would cover one. Luke would talk about one specifically. I think this is when Luke was with him, you know, because he found out something else. He developed one more strategy, and that is he would send Timothy or he would leave Silas somewhere and he would go on. And so along the way, go back to what we said in Acts 13. He said, I will go out to where I sent you. I think you can add to that. And he said, and I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. You, you catch what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. it seems like these developed as he was yeah. ministering. Well, the learning is in the doing. You know, uh, you're, it's on-the-job training in God's kingdom. And so you don't have it figured out, especially as you begin. Uh, it's a lot of trial and error. And so, yeah, you can see each journey, Paul kind of tweaked his strategy of trying to do a lot on his own or with a small team to then leaving them in places strategically and then calling certain ones to come meet him. Uh, to the point where then he was sending out uh, in Ephesus in the school, uh, basically church planters into the whole region. The whole region. It's amazing to see that. We got to hurry up and quit and get this. He comes back. He they said, "Don't go to Jerusalem." He said, "Man, I'm going to go to Jerusalem." And there they uh, falsify what he had done. He's arrested, and he appeals to Rome. To make a long story short. And he gets on a journey to Rome. He always wanted to go to Rome, and he didn't have time. But all of a sudden, God made him time by being arrested. Yeah, and provided the funds to get there. (laughs) And on the way, a shipwreck happens. Lives are saved. A testimony is given. A whole island is touched by him. Uh, When he gets bit by a snake and does not die, they... One of the funniest things, they sit around to watch him die, and he doesn't do it, you know. (laughs) And so he gets to Rome. We know that's where he is. The possibility of him going to Spain and coming back is a reality. But Second Timothy, that's kind of like his last will and testament, isn't it? Yeah, his last letter. That he wrote. And two or three things I want to bring up. He says to Timothy, bring the parchments. I, I know they had to do a scripture. Bring the cloak. One last thing I wanted to say, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for me. Paul may have been hard-headed, but he was forgiven, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, he again showed his 
his uh, shepherd's heart, his pastor's heart, really the heart of his father um, in, in uh, caring for John Mark. And um, yeah, you see that as you look at Paul's life. There's a lot of points we could have made. Uh, and there's more that you can study for yourself as you read through the book of Acts. Um, but God wants to um, use Paul, not just in scripture, but in your life uh, to learn how to be on mission for God wherever you go. God will use who you are, what you've done to do what he wants done. Follow Christ all the way as you're on mission for God. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on AFR.